Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. My name is Richard Bryant, and I am your host. It's April 6th, 2020. This is the Corona Chronicles, Day 25. Good evening, everyone, and here are today's news and notes. Today's news and notes begins with some of the stories that are happening here in my region, first with what's going on in Trinidad and Tobago. A stay-at-home order has been extended till April 30th. Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley has announced that the stay-at-home order has been extended to April 30th, and all food services have been closed effective tomorrow until April 30th. Schools will not reopen for the new term on April 20th, and the secondary entrance assessment planned for some time in May will have to be rescheduled. The government will begin distributing masks to citizens who have been told to wear the masks in public, and there are changes in the times during which essential businesses are permitted to be open. The new order comes into effect on Tuesday. The announcement was made this morning during a press conference at the Diplomatic Center in St. Anne's. Prime Minister Rowley told the nation that the health authorities tracking the spread of COVID-19 expects that by April 15th, when the stay-at-home order was expected to end, it is quite likely, certainly possible, we may be in a worse position than we were when we started. He said the stay-at-home order would be enforced with greater compliance to deal with the problem. He said he is not about people preserving their comfort zone or earning capacity. As a result, he said that effective immediately, the recommendation was that members of the public wear masks and that the state would begin a mask distribution program. He said hardware stores and electrical and plumbing businesses will be allowed to open from 8 a.m. to noon, Monday to Saturday. The businesses that have been allowed to be open, including some retail retail stores, discount stores, markets, fruit fruit stalls, bakeries, and parlors which provide food, have to close by 6 p.m. Wholesale businesses providing food will have to close by 4 p.m. Pharmacies will close by 8. This story comes directly from the Daily Express, written by Carolyn Kassoon. In today's Newsday, it's been reported in Barbados. On Friday, Last week, West Indians from Guyana to Jamaica watched video after video of unruly crowds that they would themselves have thought were shot at home. West Indians expect order, not chaos, from Barbados. The great West Indies cricket teams and the most stable economy and society in the region were built on Bayesian reliability. Until last Thursday, the Barbados government approached the COVID-19 crisis in the usual way, solidly, carefully, and with great thought and discipline. As of Saturday, the island had 51 cases. Restrictions on commercial activity and personal movement were tightened gradually via announcements to the nation made live on camera by Prime Minister Mia Amor Motley, and when she underwent a planned surgery, acting Prime Minister Cynthia Bradshaw. Supermarkets were not shut down, but allowed to open from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., gas stations from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., and bakeries from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m., and so on. On Thursday, however, and after supermarkets were already closed, Bradshaw announced that when supermarkets closed on Friday, they would not reopen until April 15th. Accordingly, all of Barbados left home the moment the overnight curfew was lifted at 6 a.m. on Friday, determined to secure two weeks' worth of supplies for themselves. The lines that stretched around the perimeters of the big box retailers and had snaked along Bridgetown's pavements were captured on video.
Every establishment in Barbados selling any kind of food, from fruit and veg to the Trinidadian import doubles, was plagued by long lines. In the countryside of St. Philip, Barbados, most thinly populated parish, lines outside village shops stretched out from their doors like kites' tails. At their ends, where people still had reserves of patience and could see the two-meter social distance from others being respected ahead of them, people stood quietly. The closer the lines got to supermarket entrances, the smaller the space between individuals shrank, and the louder the mumbling and grumbling grew. At every entrance, the crowds were thick, sweaty, closely packed, and often angry. At Sky Mall in Barbados, four Royal Barbados Constabulary policemen controlled the entrance to the Massey store. There were more than a hundred items that number waiting to get in. At Cost You Less in St. Thomas, Barbados's second largest supermarket, a policeman who arrived on motorcycle and went in through the exit shouldered his way through the thick crowd, presumably intent on a purchase of his own. On Thursday evening, a business executive from a leading group of companies said, Giving the whole country one day to shop for two weeks is madness. People who would have stayed home will now go to Price Mart. And all you need is three or four expletive, cutting into the two-meter spaces everybody else was leaving in the line, and people will get frustrated. I don't blame them. It's human nature. They should have announced on Thursday night that the groceries would not open again until April 15th. What they were trying to prevent, they've encouraged. Plenty more people will get it now. If you'd like to learn more about what's happening not only in Trinidad and Tobago, but also the other islands in the region, please check out not only the Trinidad Express, but also the Trinidad and Tobago Newsday, the Trinidad Guardian as well. Page 2. Our first bit of information comes from a recent article printed by Vanity Fair. This was shared on Vanity Fair's Facebook group and appears on their website. The the article is titled, A Semester with an Asterisk, Coronavirus is Upending Life and Grades for College Students. They've been booted from campus, kicked off work-study programs, and had their classes transferred online. Now student activists are mobilizing to save their futures. This article was written by Caleb Isarma. Wheat College students James Kibbe and Alex Velasovich were aboard a fishing boat off the coast of Fort Myers, Florida, when they received the news, we ask undergraduate students to remain or return home for the remainder of the semester, wrote Philip Riken, the president of the Chicago Arts Liberal Arts School, in a March 11th email announcing that, effective immediately, remaining classes would be held online only. As America collectively grappled with the new reality of coronavirus, Kibbe, a junior studying economics, and Velasovich, a sophomore business major, returned to shore and devised a plan to salvage their upside-down semester. We got the table flipped on us, and we're hoping to negotiate something that makes this a more reasonable experience, Velasovich told me during a phone interview while self-quarantining in his Washington state home. Their petition for Wheaton to adopt pass-fail grading was one of the first of its kind to appear on Change.org, but the movement has quickly spread as universities have become embroiled in grading controversies amid the sudden and near-total shift online. Over the past two weeks, a myriad of similar appeals have cropped up all across the country. So far, several dozen major universities have adopted a form of the pass-fail system. Wheaton is not one of them, though Kibbe said some professors are taking it upon themselves to give their students A's with completed coursework. But the movement born there has taken on a life of its own. 
sweeping across the country via social media and word of mouth as colleges and universities struggle to land on a new normal. Colleges and universities have a moral obligation to lead the general public to the understanding that we are on a war footing against a common enemy, and we need to pull together. Allison Stranger, a visiting professor at Harvard University, wrote in an email, noting that the very least educators can do is implement a pass-fail system. We assume that there is a level playing field for students when we bring them together on campus, even though it isn't the case, but it is a bridge too far to maintain that assumption in a global pandemic. Harvard later announced Friday it had adopted its own pass-fail system. If you'd like to read the complete article, please check in today's show news and notes for the link. Again, this article originated with Vanity Fair and was written by Caleb Isarma. In other news, some of the other online resources that have come up today. From the Stagecraft mailing list, a recent post by Alex Stoll wrote, We put together this flyer of resources for performing artists and technicians during the COVID-19. If you have a need, we hope this will help you fill it. And if you don't, please contribute if you can. Some of the performing arts COVID-19 resources include Creative Capital, which supports innovative and adventurous artists across the country through funding, counsel, gatherings, and career development services. There's also the Actors Fund for Everyone in Entertainment, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, the League of American Orchestras, and also Behind the Scenes, Playbill, Opera America, and Broadway World. So, Again, some of this information and the, the links will be provided in today's news and notes. From USITT, we have some new information of events that happened today. First was the new at noon uh, presentation done online, one of the first of hopefully many webinars that is going to be presented by USITT. Today's was Cable Monkey LLC presented its new product, Cable Monkey. Cable Monkey is a product that easily slips onto battens or trusses, giving the user a quick and easy way to attach the cable. Data and power cables each run in their own separate hook for easy access, troubleshooting, and reduced electrical in interference. With integrated mousing points, the cable can be secured for temporary use, permanent installations, or tours. Place a, place a Cable Monkey every four feet and you're ready to go. It was an interesting opportunity to get to see this today as I had the opportunity after I taught my class today to sit in and watch this product demonstration. Now, of course, not every webinar is going to be for you. So please go check out usitt.org's website for all the information about each webinar that is coming up. Of course, there's the, the, noon, the new at noon and also the forum at four. Page three. To kick off this week's round of posts from designers whose productions were canceled or postponed due to the spread of COVID-19, we have the work of Kendrick Lawson Knight, a scenic, senior scenic design student at the University of Theater Arts at Webster University. This is part of a series put out by USITT. Kendrick was the scenic designer for the school's production of Bright Star by Steve Martin and Edie Brickell which was to be his final college design before the show was canceled. A big thank you to Kendrick for sending these designs in. Here's what he had to say about his design. 
This production was to be directed by Laura Teeter. This memory play takes us on a journey to 20 different locations as we follow Alice and her story from 1923 to 1946. This unit set design was meant to be a flexible environment to cater not only to location, but also mood. Through the use of a header and two tracking walls, the space reflects the emotions of the characters as the set changes multiple times throughout the performance, from claustrophobic to wide open and free. This combination of the tracking walls and header opening to reveal the beautiful mountain ranges reinforces Alice's message that the sun is gonna, in fact, shine again. If you'd like to check out the, the pictures of Kendrick Lawson Knight's project, please, you can either see them on, you can please check them out on either USITT's Facebook page, their website, or via their Instagram. Basically, check all the social media platforms. I bet you you're going to have an easy time finding this wonderful, wonderful work. From our friends at Stage Directions Magazine, this new article came up. In what is fast becoming a tradition, the podcast is back with an all-new episode and an all-new quarantine happy hour. This is from our friends at In One, the podcast, The Lives of Theatrical Designers. This week, Corey sits down with Ana Luis, Wilson Chin, Alejo Vieta, Isabella Bird, Clint Ramos, Tyler Misalu, and in one all-star, Jen Shriver, Shriver. If I mess up any of those names, I apologize. Um, and I've, I'm not really great with names I, I, I've never heard before, so please forgive me. I mean no offense. Anyway, the gang checks in on each other, and everyone discusses routine versus not routine, watching the news versus turning it off, how everyone is eating, cooking, working out, and passing time, and what they miss the most being stuck at home. There was a report back from the large United Scenic Artist Wingspace Salon this week, some good news about union dues and healthcare payments, and the group discusses when we might get back to work, what the world of regional theater might look like post-COVID-19, what kind of shows writers will be creating, how art has typically responded to mass world events in history, and whether we've seen the end of shaking hands and the double cheek kiss. You've got nothing better to do, so grab a glass and join the happy hour. Again, this comes from In One, the podcast, episode number 94, quarantine happy hour number two. Of course, Stage Directions is more than just one article. They have news, articles, gear, theater blogs, a theater resource directory, and of course, all sorts of other really fantastic information that you didn't know you realized you needed. Some of the current articles that are up, one, Roundabout's career training programs are carrying on. You can meet the LA Opera Stage crew. Of course, you can learn about the USIT webinars forum at four session of curated sessions. Also, you can learn about the Wingspace, how the Wingspace creates New York City-based theater designer relief fund. And also, finally, you can join Sure's next webinar, Best Practices for Home Conferencing. Again, please be sure to check out all the information that's shared by our friends at Stage Directions. To conclude tonight's news and notes, I want to leave you with this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It seems kind of timely at this point of our lives. In it, he says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Today, we stand in the middle 
of nothing but chaos and change. So we have to ask ourselves, where do we stand? What are we inspired towards? And what are we going to do to make for a better tomorrow? This is a challenge for myself and for all of us as we move forward into the great unknown. My name is Richard Bryant, and I have been your host. This is the Corona Chronicles. It's April 6th, 2020, day 25. Have a good evening, take care, and good night. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on how to make this podcast better, please send them to archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's archivett24 at yahoo.com.